It's Katrina Van Eyck for Aquatic Mentors Podcast. We're on the line with Christy from Sweeney Swim School in Melbourne. Welcome, Christy. Hi, Katrina. Thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Doing really well. How are you coping in our ISO lockdown? Uh, we're doing okay at the moment. Some homeschooling happening and, and a few other things, but apart from that, not too much really. <laughs> Well, you're doing well then. So I'd love to know more about your journey in swimming. So how did you start in swimming and how has it developed through your life? Well, a lot of my swimming started when I was a child, really. My family moved from Melbourne to Adelaide for my dad's job and we lived in Glenelg. So we went straight to Glenelg Beach and joined the Nippers program there. And I just had a natural love for it and a natural ability for it. And we lived there for quite a number of years. So this love of swimming started at that point. And then moving back to Melbourne, you know, the Nippers program wasn't as as big in the area I lived in when we moved back to Melbourne. So I started some squad training, but more recreational squads and swimming from there. And it was about that time that I had started swimming with a friend from high school and she had just started a part-time job as a swim teacher And I thought that sounded like a pretty cool job, better than McDonald's and those ones that people were doing. So pretty much from the age of 16, started swim teaching at Sweeney Swim School, which is where I am now. And I taught here for 10 years, got me through uni and finished high school and through uni. I left and started working at larger aquatic facilities because I just had a love for the industry and sport and rec. And I worked at a number of council-run facilities in our community. And I did that for quite many years. But when it came time for my children to learn to swim, I wanted to bring them back to where I had been teaching as a youngster. And the facility was still running. So I brought my kids back to Sweeney Swim School and they started their swimming journey here. And then four years ago, one of the owners was looking at retiring and wanting to know whether I was interested in that. And from, I suppose you could say the rest is history from, from that perspective. But, you know, going and working at council facilities and I worked my way up to be an assistant manager of large-scale aquatic centres. So a very different pace of work compared to running a small swim school. <laughs> but, you know, certainly has taught me so much about business and about people to then come and, you know, when I got the opportunity to own my centre of of a clear line of what I wanted and what I wanted our pool to look like and how it was to run and and just that the feel of a business that I wanted. So that was a very big life experience for me. And what you made you stay in aquatics? Um I love people. (laughs) (laughs) I love talking to people. I talk way too much, it has been noted many, many times. I can waffle on a bit. But I loved the feeling of watching children achieve a task and build their skills. I, it was a very rewarding job to have. You know, to get through uni, I worked three different jobs. So one was teaching swimming and then I worked at restaurants and I'd worked at, in, you know, food service and other areas. So it was the only job that I loved. And I, I do feel you have to love what you do, especially swim teaching, to mm. be able to do it and be able to do it well. 
and I just loved it. And I had always said years ago, I'm going to own my own pool one day. And, and I was reminded just recently from a very good friend of mine that that's actually happened. So <laughs> you kind of get lost in the day-to-day things. And as it all goes, I actually, yeah, I've actually achieved something I've had dreamt I wanted to do for many, many years. So yeah. Fantastic. That's amazing to be able to look back and see that. Yeah. That's one of your dreams. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, I it was reminded to me. I'm like, oh, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I find it really interesting. I suppose is in the industry a lot of the time when people do the job to get them through uni or while they're in uni, it's normally you do university and then you go off to another industry. So for me, that's quite interesting. That after uni, you've actually stayed in the industry and then developed it from there. Yeah, I actually studied visual arts, majoring in painting and printmaking when I went to uni initially, but I couldn't live the life of an artist. (laughs) I I didn't get coffee at that point. (laughs) And so I actually went back to uni as a mature age student and studied sport and rec when I was 25 and sort of found what I loved and went back to uni again from there. So um, I did a bit of travelling overseas in before that, but yeah, it, once I knew what I actually wanted to do, which took me a little bit longer than a lot of people, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you do what you're good at, and I knew that I was very good at this, and I I loved it, so that's what I did. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic! It's a great way to see that it does develop into a career because I think that's one thing for swimming is that we've got to promote that it can develop into a career. It's not just a gap job. So to be able to see you've been able to do that and you've had the interest in it, it's great. Yeah. I've got um, a few staff here. Some of them are mums themselves now and they come back and doing some part-time work here, but we're looking at, you know, different courses and things that they can do to develop themselves further in the industry so that they, you know, then, if they've got an interest in it and they want to want to do it, there's other avenues that they can go down and and other areas that they can sort of do that work in. Yeah, that's great, and it's good to talk to a uh, fellow South Australian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it was for it was three years of my life as a child, but we lived on Glenelg Beach, so it was just like a three year holiday. It was the most beautiful place in the whole world for us. Oh, then. you are so the lucky. Weather was so much better than Melbourne. <laughs> Oh, it was always beautiful going into town. We lived in the Adelaide Hills. So to be able to go into Adelaide and go into the beach, Glenelg Beach, it was always just yep. so fun. And Magic Mountain was always. Magic Mountain was down the road. Yes. <laughs> so that Glenelg Surf Club was where I did a lot of the junior nippers stuff, which is which was there. Yeah. See, and any time we had visitors from Melbourne come over, we were going up to the Adelaide Hills and going up your way to all the wineries. It was not fun as children. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm envious of you for the fact that you were down near Magic Mountain. That would have been just... Yeah. <laughs> life would have been great. Spoiled. Very spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> so out of your whole journey with swimming and what you've gone through, through going back to uni and doing another course and then getting your own swim school, what's the biggest lesson you think you've learned through the journey or is there a couple of lessons? It's an interesting question. Like what have you sort of learned? And it wasn't until my friend recently reminded me that I had achieved a dream that I'd set myself to. And 
it is, you know, it is if there's something that you want, just keep working at it and keep building for it. You can do the things that you want to do. But lesson-wise, you know, I, for me personally, it's learning to have patience with people and patience with your fellow workmates and your staff and, your, and having the confidence to actually go out there and take the leap and buy a business with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, both of us sort of quit our very comfortable jobs that we had to buy into the pool and there was a lot of support and there was a lot of fear from family members and and that sort of thing when doing that purely you know your husband and wife working together (laughs) and and a financial perspective because we had kids as well Uh, so I guess the one of the biggest things I've sort of learned is from a teaching perspective I suppose with you know teaching swimming is you know kids are always going to be kids they all kids love to learn they all you don't mean meet too many kids that don't love learning and achieving and it's such a rewarding job to do in that perspective parents have changed over the last 20 years that's definitely for sure so you've got to evolve and you've got to not think that what you did you know 10 years ago is going to still work now that you've got to still be pushing on and even though a lot of the techniques we teach here are from a long time ago like this the swim school's been here for 50 years so a lot of the teaching that we do is from from that era I suppose you would say but you're still going to adapt and change as time goes on and I think we're we are learning that very clearly at the moment with the whole COVID-19 aspect of life the main lesson is it is a bit of a journey and got to evolve as it goes along I really like that and I think it's going to be even more prominent as we get out of this COVID-19 that you we have to evolve and that's just in any business but it's going to be a lot more prominent I think in swimming because of the close you are with the swimmers and you do it can be quite a touchy sort of work environment so yeah that's a big point it's not only going to be evolving in your own life and, and as the business is normally but it's going to be extra evolving as we get out of COVID. Absolutely. It's, it's something that I've been really thinking about and doing a bit of research on, on how we come out of this. Is is our business going to be the same as what it was? You know, are we going to be able to just walk in the door, turn the lights on, turn the heater back on in the pool and away we go? Or do we need to reassess the way we teach and reassess there might be distancing restrictions at the point of coming back so how do we how do we do that so there's been a bit of work to do and I've I've got the time to do it at the moment so (laughs) (laughs) a lot of of that sort of being happening at the moment for us which is which is good you know hopefully we never get put in a situation like this ever again but it'd be nice that we'll be prepared for it next time (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) we know what's going to happen we can get it ready (laughs) yeah so what's been the biggest highlight for you so far? Well, the biggest highlight would definitely be purchasing my own facility and and running my own business. Even like I have business partners. I'm not alone here. I do have help. It's, I'm very lucky in a situation that I have that because having a small business and two small children, it is good to have help. <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, but yeah, for, personally for me too, I, when I worked, I worked at Wyndham Leisure and Event Centre for Belgravia Leisure many years ago. 
and we ran a program with Life Saving Victoria for the local Burmese refugee kids. They were funded swim lessons through them and we, over a four-year period, probably ran swim lessons fully funded for about 250, 300 kids. They were Burmese children that had moved from refugee camps in Thailand and it was the most rewarding job I've done. And, you know, these kids had never seen clear water in their lives. They had an, an amazing natural ability in the water and a drive to learn because they were very grateful for what they were receiving. It was amazing. And the program just developed in ways that we ended up doing adult lessons. And then some of those adults then went on and got jobs as lifeguards and swim teachers. So there was a real roll-on effect for the community, for their community as well, with those programs. It was not work. <laughs> it was a whole lot of fun to do that. That was definitely one of my career highlights is, is that program. Wow, that's great. And it would have been such an impact on you to be able to teach these kids. And, and it's not just teaching them swimming. It's about helping them sort of develop and mould into Australia, life in Australia. It was clear initially that, you know, with our staff as well, they didn't really have a level of understanding of where these children had come from and what they had been through. So we'd run regular sort of information sessions with elders of the community just to explain where these kids had come from. You know, they're living in, you've got 100,000 kids in a refugee camp with barely clean drinking water and now they're in a facility. You know, we'd had a few times where lifeguards had blown a whistle loudly for whatever reason and these the kids would panic because you know that sound was more like like an air siren you know if yeah. if there was an impending attack or you know they've had times where they've had to run for their lives or living on the Thai border going up and down the border like it's just unfathomable what these kids had been through and their families had been through so to, to offer them just that small small thing of a, a swim lesson and bring them such joy was it was just amazing. It was, it was so rewarding. That's fantastic to be able to offer that. It's, and it's great. I mean, those sort of programs are becoming more and more available as we develop and as we sort of target those areas, and I think that's really good. Yeah, it just gives them such an opportunity in life. Yep, absolutely. And, and in, in a perspective, a career path as well, you know, there's been a lot of them, the kids that have become swim teachers, when I did it, which was many years ago, initially they just wanted to learn and they just wanted to feel part of a community and part of a, a country and a sense of belonging. So, you know, a lot of them, you know, want to study and want to learn. So they're going to uni and then they, you know, like everyone else here can go and get a part-time job and do all the things that we all do as well. So yeah. um, I saw one of, one of the students recently last year she ended up being a swim teacher with us and I hadn't seen May for, oh, it was probably five years and my daughter had gone to another swim school for school swimming. So I, of course, went for a sticky beak <laughs> just to check <laughs> it out. <laughs> and there she was in the pool still teaching. So she'd gone on and got married and had children and she was still teaching lessons. She loves it still. And it was so exciting to see her. We were like hugging from across the pool, like <laughs> waving to each other. And she couldn't believe that I had children and I couldn't believe that she had children. And yeah, it was lovely to see. And it was, it was still, I stood there and watched her teach for a while. I'm like, 
well, that lady, she's come so far in life and you just don't realise how far some people's lives or what they have been to where they are now. So Yeah, yeah, and that's amazing. And you had a role in that. It's like, yeah, you should. Yeah, it was very congratulations. Pat on the back moment. Yeah. <laughs> a very small role, a very small role. Yeah, but still, I mean, it obviously made a big impact made a big impact for her as she's continued in the aquatics industry and that's what we see. Yeah. Yeah. You can see she gives back. I had a similar experience. A girl that I taught here, she would only did about four or five lessons with me, but I knew her through the school, Filipino little girl. She's absolutely lovely. And she's gone down to uni to Melbourne and she said to me, I near drowning experiences down at the beach once when she went down with her cousins and she came to me and she said, oh, I can't swim. But she could actually swim quite well. She was just scared of when it got into the deep water. And gave her the confidence, did a few things with her. And she came to me and she said, do you think I can be a swim teacher? And I said, well, you're great with kids. You know your limits and your boundaries. If you take the time and take the patience and learn, I think you'd probably be all right. And she got to know a lady down in Melbourne. I'm not sure of the swim school. And she actually teaches there now. She did her course. They did it over a couple of weeks. So it wasn't a one day session. And she's qualified. And the pool that she works in is goes to chest height for her. So there's no real deep end. And she now has a following of Filipino families that there's a waiting list. Yeah. In with lessons for her. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's stories like that that make you appreciate what you do and and love what you do because it's not it's not just a job. It it can't be just a job what we do. So we um we currently have a student here. He's seventeen and he's been to four or five other swim schools because he wants to join the navy and he has to do a specific type of swim. He's an Indian boy and he very tall, very lanky <laughs> and no swimming ability whatsoever and has to do this certain swim to get into the Navy. He's been to four other swim schools that said, we can't teach you, which is very sad to hear. And now he's swimming laps and and now he's at the stage now that he's coming to swimming lessons and wearing tracksuit pants to swim in because he's got to build up the strength to yes. swim fully clothed. So we're at a stage that he's you know, doing more of, you know, survival strokes as well. We've looked at the criteria he needs to go through to pass and I think he would pass it now. He doesn't think he would, but we think he will. So he's got another year to go before he can do that because he wants to finish school. But uh, good on him for wanting to do that and knowing what he wants and he he gave himself a decent amount of time to, to learn those skills. But he's amazing and I, that's why we love what we do every now and then. I look at the pool and go, oh, good on you. Like, well done. You've actually <laughs> good on you to do that. So we said we'll all come to his Navy graduation when he uh, graduates from, from that. We'll definitely be there for that one. <laughs> what a persistence and what a dedication to know that he's got to sit back and think, yeah, I've got this time. I've got to learn that skill. And I reckon if he does pass, it's going to be a massive party for you guys to celebrate. Yeah, it'll be very rewarding. Um, I don't teach him. We have a, another staff member that teaches him, so I can't take the credit on that way because and Kate's done an amazing job with him. But it's it's great to be a part of and be involved with, with the family. That's fantastic. Your swim teacher's playing a, a massive role 
in that student's life. Um, and mm -hmm. he's going to remember them when he goes into the Navy and what they've yeah. done. Yeah. Is there anyone like that that's played a big role for you, be it a mentor or a friend, or is there a few? Well, there's probably a few, really. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, always a few. Yeah. I own Sweeney Swim School. The Sweeney family were the original owners of this swim school. They're in their early 80s now, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and we still keep in contact with them, Joan and Leon Sweeney. And Joan is absolutely a definite mentor of, of mine. I started teaching with her when I was 16. So she, for you know many years there, she was more like a second mum than anything else. She has quite a presence. She is very business-minded. She's a pretty incredible businesswoman. She is black and white and straight down the line and very direct. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't like it, too bad. <laughs> so, yeah, she ran a very tight ship, I would say that, definitely. And it's funny, when we were looking at purchasing the business, we went and um, spoke to them because I just wanted to have that sort of chat with them and even though she hadn't been in the pool area for 10 years she was still the same very direct and <laughs> still knew what she wanted and, and told me how it is <laughs> so yeah she's definitely someone that when I went and left here and worked at council-run facilities you'd have this little thing going what would Joan do in these scenarios <laughs> I might <laughs> use the confidence that she have or the business sense that she had. And I, I mean, I also had some great bosses at, when I worked, I worked for Belgravia Leisure for many years and I had some wonderful bosses that are now, you know, some of my best friends are, Leonie was my centre manager. And even though she, she was the centre manager and I was the assistant manager when it came to it by the end of it, she was always there to educate. So, you know, she never hid anything from any of us. If, if you wanted to learn about higher end management skills, she would throw you right in the deep end and teach you that. So she was amazing with that sort of thing. And even now I still, she's not in aquatics now anymore, but, but I still ring her and go, do you think we should <laughs> ask her questions like I used to many years ago? But I also have a very, very supportive family. Um, my parents, uh, amazing, you know, work ethic. Those would be a thing that comes to mind with my, my parents. My dad always had a saying that, you know, never think you can't be replaced. So, you know, don't like go through life in business that you can, because everyone's replaceable. doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, that's <laughs> so really, true. That is very true. And now owning this business for four years, my I've seen my husband in a different way as well. So he, even though he didn't have the swimming knowledge initially, he had that business drive and that business sense. So we've sort of been able to teach each other and, and learn from each other in many ways from that as well. So that's made your relationship a lot stronger. In some ways, yes. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's easy working with your husband, but um, no, never is. <laughs> yeah, there is there's a much more a level of respect and different level to your relationship, I suppose you would say too. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And you find that sometimes they become your rock in that circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They support you. Yep. 
Well, he's always been supportive, very much so. It's nice to, for him to see what I did. And a lot of times he would say, oh, hang on, you know the swimming stuff more than me. What do you think on that? So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I do. <laughs> I've done this for long enough, I should know. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's good. So as a swim school owner and you get a lot of new staff coming through and you have to interview them and, and see whether they fit, what would be the advice you would give to a new teacher, swim teacher or a new swim coach? And are there four or so important qualities you think a new swim teacher or a new coach needs? Um, I think when we're looking for new staff, I tend to interview and look for people that have a not just a love for swimming but a love for for kids if they're you know in high school or they're, if they're studying teaching or nursing or any of those caregiving kind of roles you know that they're going to have a love for people or you know we've got staff that have got younger siblings and, and I sort of think too well they would know what it's like to have young kids around them all the time so they would have those inequalities of patience and, and all those things that you need. When training young teachers, I always make sure to remind them that please remember that they're the boss. Don't let the kids take charge of the lead. They're the ones that got to take charge in the lead. And, and the parents sitting on the side of the pool, they don't know that you might have only been doing this for a few months rather than a few years and, and have the confidence in yourself to I always say to some of the staff, use your hands, like move your hands around a lot so they're directing and then the parents can see that you are communicating and it also helps with the communication with kids as well. But not a fake it till you make it sort of sense, but yep. you know, have the confidence in yourself to take charge and take lead with that. And it's more with the younger younger students, you know, having having that confidence to take charge of groups. And look, I've had some young staff that just in they go and they've got it under control, but some of the little, you know, they might be a bit shyer or a bit reserved at first or very nervous in teaching, which is, and that's all completely fair enough to keep doing that. I always get impressed with staff that want to keep learning as well. You know, I've quite a few staff that come to me and ask, you know, I'm trying to do this with this child and I'm just quite, not quite getting it. Can you show me another way or what do you think we could do this? And, you know, I always encourage them to come and, and talk to any of us or talk amongst the group and, and to keep learning and try and learn from, especially in a training perspective, you know, try and learn from quite a few different teachers because even though you might always try to teach to the same goal, people have different ways of communicating that and it's always good to know those different things. But important qualities, you definitely have to have patience. That's one of the main things. You need, to, you need to be willing to continually learn. You're going to do your CPR course every year. So just get used to that. <laughs> uh, your, your PDs and all of that. But if you have a love for the job, I don't think that becomes too hard for people. As I've said a couple of times, you can't just treat this like a job. You've got to be reliable and committed. I have worked at McDonald's, so I can say this. It's not like working at McDonald's. You know. <laughs> There's parents that want consistency and want the reliability of the same teacher each week as much as you can. And the main thing is loving what you do. So if you, I always say to new staff starting out with us, especially ones that have come training in, if, if you feel this, this, that you don't enjoy this, say it. 
you know, if this, if you think this is not for you, then that's perfectly okay. Cause you have to love this. You're in water for a good three hours anyway, getting splashed from here, there, there everywhere with kids <laughs> bouncing around all over you. You've got to love what you do. Yeah. So they're the main, main things that, that I think that are a good quality in a swim teacher. I really like that. And I think it's a lot of those have become a reoccurring theme in these podcasts that they've got to love their job and they've got to always wanting to learn and that everyone teaches differently. And I know with my presenting and I ran a few different courses and every time I ran a course, I learned something from someone. Every single course I was like, oh, do you mind if I use that? Yeah. For me, but you also learn another perspective and something different from them as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've got to be open to opinions and perspectives. Everyone's getting to that common goal. I like that. Yeah, and that's right. Everyone's going for that common goal. And you find you never get on with everyone. And the same with kids. They can't relate to everyone. So, no. And we all I learn in different said that ways. Stuff before. I say, would you believe there are children that don't like me? So don't. <laughs> Don't take it personally if we're moving a child out of your class into another one. It's not you. It might be, but no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that might, child might need, you know, someone with a different teaching perspective. So it may be the way they learn as well in regards to, you know, some people learn from demonstrations, some people learn from more just verbal instructions and that sort of yeah, thing. Them. It's just the way they teach. Yeah, we've got quite a, an interesting bunch of staff here. We have we have about 12 staff and, you know, we have the introverts and the extra, extroverts and we have the mature age and we have the young and, and it's good how, you know, some parents like, oh, well, I want that teacher over there because she's great. And I'm like, well, this teacher here is actually no, no different with the quality of teaching. They're just teaching it in a different way. They're mm. a different communicator to that teacher and it is good having quite a mix of, of staff and a mix of people. To, they might realise that now that. that they've had to teach their own kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be buying my children's school teachers something when they get back to school, I can tell you that. <laughs> as a swim teacher, not that I thought school teaching would be easy. I did not think that, but wow. Wow, there's a new level of respect for <laughs> primary <laughs> teachers, that's for sure. <laughs> Our school's only got 18 kids and I'm like, oh, they've got oh. three teachers or two and a half, two full-time and one normally part-time in and out and a teacher's aide. And I think, oh, they've got easy 18 kids. But, yeah, teaching my son and how much he's in foundation, how much you need to be focused on him. Yeah. And, yeah, imagine that. with and The amount of work that the actual school teachers are having to do behind the scenes at the moment is just incredible. Yeah. So... Amazing. That's yeah. off. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking into the future and it's not just in regards to COVID-19 for swimming, how do you think it's going to pan out and what does it look like for you? I've seen prior to COVID-19 <laughs> in our area, there's quite a number of swim schools around us. So we have community-based swim schools and council run pools and private enterprise as well. And I've noticed a real shift in the parents I suppose you'd say moving towards you know a real quality swim lesson swimming lessons are expensive for a lot of families which is something we might have to look into as we move forward out of COVID-19 <laughs> and from babies and up 
parents are more informed now and they can get opinions and advice very easily through social media, especially. And so if you're not providing a quality program for people, I think a lot of cases you can, you'll have a real turnover of, of customers. It's, it's retaining those people and providing them with, you know, with a quality lesson. I think we're, we're in a very instant gratification kind of a world as well. So if parents aren't seeing bang for their buck, if you know, if they're not seeing value for money, they'll just start looking elsewhere really. So for us, it's educating because we teach a little bit differently to a lot of places. So it's educating the parents on why we're doing the things that we're doing and what we're doing you know, our program can be a little bit repetitive at times, but that is, in in my opinion, how kids learn. You know, we'll do a, a little bit of assisted swimming where we hold and guide the arms or legs in certain ways to teach it in the correct manner. Oh, wow, the actual swim school phone is ringing. <laughs> I haven't heard a ring for four weeks, so I'm sorry. <laughs> We'll get the message to say that we're closed. So <laughs> probably the husband going, "Are you there? Are you there?" <laughs> well, I'm sitting here at the pool because I would not get a conversation through at home with the children. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> probably someone's using the Wi-Fi. Going, what are you doing there? Are we back? <laughs> using the Wi-Fi that we're still paying for and not using. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like there's that moving forward that you really need to be aware of and making sure that your staff are well trained up and and providing quality class for that time. Yeah, I like that. And I I teach I think I teach the same as you. I really being in a rural area where we are here and only running an 8-week program, I think a lot of it for me is teaching these these families how to then go on and continue to educate their kids in the water. And most of my clients live on farms, so they've got dams and things like that. And, I mean, where we live, we've got, we're an irrigation system, so we've got a massive channel around one of our houses. And it's that thing of, yeah, teaching them and educating the family so they can go and continue it. And they take their kids to the pool by themselves so they can continue and teach the children. I think that's something I really like is educate them as well. Absolutely. We run like a water safety program monthly here. The first week of every month is our water safety week. I don't do it once a term or once a year. We do it every, you know, four weeks because the families in this area, they're all going on holidays throughout. Well, they were. (laughs) They're all going on holidays any all different times of the year. It's not traditionally just in school holidays now or we have a lot of families that will go away for a good six to eight weeks at a time. Lucky yeah. ducks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I like to, you know, including more of water safety skills once a month within that those classes, at, you know, based on the child's age and ability. And they repeat them and repeat them, you know, each month as they go along the different things. So it becomes second nature, you know do a reach rescue you know three and four year olds are straight down on the ground grabbing the noodles stretching it out and they they know what to do like it's it's really good the last school holidays we had a three-year-old fall into the family backyard pool fully clothed dad was cleaning out the filter basket and looked up and his daughter was floating on her back kicking back to the edge 
fully clothed. Oh so my I'm like, gosh. oh, we did our job right there. That was very reassuring. And he panicked for a minute and was like, oh, she's in the water. But then he sort of went, hang on, she's doing it. Let, let's just see. Um, um, he was there. Yeah, he could yeah, have had yeah. any pulled her out of the pool, but just let her get to the edge. She got her at the edge. She rolled herself over and she climbed on out and wow. said, I'm all wet. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's amazing. So, so that one little moment is why we do what we do really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can imagine there'd be a whole big water safety aspect for you with, with the dams and the channels and, you know, we have a, a strong learn to swim focus here you know we pretty much start with freestyle because it's one of the hardest sort of things to coordinate together and then we add in backstroke and breaststroke and survival backstroke and build that up from there and now we have recreational squads we our pool is quite small so we don't have competitive squads but i'll we'll teach them everything they need to know if they go and compete for their school so that they know what to do in a in a relay and they know how to do a tumble turn and you know all those things but it's more of a for a love of swimming and so that where we are, we have the beach at the end of our street. So, you know, during summer, a lot of families will finish a lesson and walk straight down to the beach at the end of the street. So, oh, yes. so cool. there's a real conscious mind of ours to have these kids be able to enjoy the environment around them because it's within their community that they live. Yeah. And that's it. You're going to make a better community and a safer community for the fact that you're giving them that broad range and bigger understanding of it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really like that. Good work. Another pat on the back for you. (laughs) (laughs) So as an individual or as an industry, how do you think we can promote and develop swimming to help the sport, whether it be sport or learn to swim, to go ahead without using as much government funding? Uh, that's a, it's a very hard question, actually. Um, <laughs> but you're because, thinking. Yeah, it did. It really did because we're competing with so many other things now. For us where we are, kids could do any sport that they want. It's yes. not a lot of times can be seen more of an extracurricular activity rather than a life-saving skill. So you know, we have a lot of kids that are stopping swimming because they're doing two days a week or three days a week of gymnastics or soccer. And I'm like, well, that may not save their life one day. And Mm -hmm. I'm not of a mind of creating Olympic swimmers. I just want kids to enjoy water and, and be safe. It's a hard one too. And swimming is also very flexible. So for people, soccer is Tuesday and Thursday. Oh, well, we'll move swimming around to fit into the other things. So we're always being able to offer a flexible arrangement with with this, the sport that we do. So it's, it's hard to know how you would develop that and, and build that further. You know, competitive swimming is so competitive. And, you know, if you want to be an Olympic swimmer, for a, you know for a girl you need to know that at a really young age and you need to have that ability for one and you need to have the commitment of not just you of your family as well and also unfortunately the funds to do it it's a hard one to do and you know the the funding for the industry has obviously come down but but that and then that is you can see the success of 
competitive swimming coming down a little bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not from a competitive background, so I don't want to give an ill-informed opinion on it. For what we do, I think it needs to be more education that of a being a life-saving skill to learn, um, and a skill that you can take on you know, not for now, but into the future. We, you know, we're having kids stopping their swim lessons at eight years old and I just think it's it's too young. They're not going to be able to retain those skills throughout their lives. You know, I, I said to a parent recently, you know, I saw a photo of them when they were much younger jumping off a cliff face in Croatia. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, don't you want your kids to be able to travel overseas like we did and experience all those things that you did? And are they going to be able to jump off a boat and into the ocean and and go on holidays with their kids and have the swimming ability with their children or all those sort of things? And it was a real eye-opener for, you know, I don't want my daughter to become an Olympic swimmer. Yeah. (laughs) Although she's pretty good. (laughs) But I just want them to have a love for the sport because it's not just swimming that it can end up to become for them, you know, it, it can be so many other areas and avenues that it can lead to for people. Um, I recently spoke to a, I was in a travel agent booking a trip to the States, which, which is now canceled. But anyway, um, and she stopped me and said, you taught me to swim many years ago. Um, her name was April. And she said, because of those swim lessons, I went and worked at Disneyland. And I said, sorry. So she became a lifeguard and went and worked at Disneyland for oh, I don't, for six months and showed me photos of, she goes, we could go into the Disney World whenever they wanted to, the Disney parks, and I worked a few hours a week lifeguarding on the side of the pool. I'm like, that's incredible. <laughs> like, that's what an amazing job to have as a young person. Why didn't I think of that when I was younger? And I was like, oh, I'm to know that, yeah, we taught that child to swim at a young age but it's gone on to help her in a future career path or a future holiday in a future you know an important aspect of her life so I think it needs to be about educating the parents about swimming lessons is not just for now it's about what that can do for them in the future. I really like that because yeah it's explaining to the families or yeah like you said educating that it's not just yes they're doing a sport they're keeping fit now but it becomes something that they can rely on in the future. They can do a lot more. One of the other ladies I interviewed said same thing. Because of her swimming, she could then go out and do all different aquatic sports, whether it be boating and here, skiing, water skiing is a massive thing. lakes. So it's safe to be able to do that. Going fishing, things like that. Swimming yeah. just a base to that, and now we can use Disney. I'm going to use that to promote some of my stuff. I reckon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, you, if you look at our Facebook page, there you'll see the picture of her. I I got a photo of her standing on the side of the pool in her lifeguard uniform when she worked for um, Disney. So oh, really cool! Um, I have to check that out. I had a quick look through. I haven't seen that. That's cool. The reason yeah. I ask that question is because when I've gone to conferences and things like that, there's a lot of people you talk to and we've all got ideas of how, oh, if we did that, I reckon that would work better or the industry should do this or governing bodies should do that or we could do that. And I think it's just about collating those ideas and actually getting them out there that 
everyone can hear it. Absolutely. Yep. And everyone maybe can hear it in a different be a, way. an aspect of the the scenario we're in now with COVID nineteen and leading up to our closure, Swim Australia were brilliant with, you know, the Zoom meetings and the we sat in one meeting of information. There was over a hundred swim schools in one place. And I'm like, when do we get a situation where we're we can all do that and we're not competitors. We're all a common ground here and, and maybe that is a way of doing it, of doing, you know, virtual conferences, I suppose, too, of, of people getting together in a way like that moving forward so that, you know, you, you know, living quite remote, can still have access to everyone within different communities and different areas and what might work for you. I can say, oh, that might work for me or and coming together in a way that could be a, a take on what's happening to us at the moment that we can use in the future. Yeah, I really like that. And cause that was one of my things of getting my presenter's license and to then to be able to develop the swim school and stuff is because people in the country areas having to travel, people weren't traveling to do lessons, especially as prices continued to rise, the cost of travel and everything else and drought being affected, people weren't traveling. And then also you find a lot of the teachers out here are either volunteer-based or that they're doing it as a part-time job. So they they don't have the time or the funding to be able to travel for whether it be for conferences or training. And I'm just like, I've got a husband and that can look after the kids and do his farm work. But I take that time, especially over winter when I'm not teaching, I can go down and do courses and I want to learn, but then I can bring that back to the country areas. And Absolutely. Not... So I think that's a really yeah, good way. Yeah. Fantastic. Zoom yeah. calls could be Absolutely. something that we could use that if we're getting that many swim teachers and swim schools on board in a Zoom pool, I think, yeah, that would be a fantastic yeah. idea. The going got tough, we all came together. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> It was a good feeling. It was a great feeling to realise at that point that we, we weren't the only ones involved in this. Absolutely not. Yeah. But for us personally, I'm probably the only one of my core group of friends that's severely been impacted in a job perspective for, out yeah. of my group of like, personal friends and even friends of ours, you know, in small businesses in the area, they're still able to trade in a small sense. Yeah. But it was nice to be amongst very like-minded people who are in the absolute same scenario as we are in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And it just gives something different. Yeah, you feel normal then, I think, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's some great ideas. And I, that's why I enjoy doing this podcast is, I mean, I've got a lot of ideas coming out of this. And I think as an industry, we all, we're a very creative type people. Yeah, and yeah, we have it all flowing, and I've just take notes all the time out of these podcasts because everyone's just got so many great ideas, so many different perspectives, and it's great to see it sort of developing. Well, and when I saw your post about this podcast, because I, you know, with time to kill at the moment, I've been listening to podcasts. There isn't, there is not a lot for our sort of industry, and when I saw that you were doing that, and I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. I I'm not sure what I could offer, but let's have a go. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's been you, Hopefully I have offered something there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've definitely offered a lot. And that's the thing. It's, it may not feel to you, your journey may not feel much to you, but when someone else hears it, they may be inspired or they may go, oh, she's had 
you know, a lot of the same background as me. I just, yeah. we sort of seem to teach the same way from what I sort of do in my swim school and what I value. So yeah. that's something I've learned. And there isn't many out there. Was- no, there's not. You're right. No. And, like, and I, think- I mean, I've, I hadn't met you before today and <laughs> you know, we've had a, a good chat prior to this recording for about probably an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're we're in the same scenario where we you know we're like-minded people and yeah it's been great yeah and it's good I mean there are ones like Joy of Aquatics Joy does that and I think that's absolutely fantastic what she does yeah. a lot of information yeah. in her podcast and there's another gentleman called Rick who does the Drowning Warrior podcast and there's a few different ones you can take like there's US Swimming and there's yeah other ones like that. But I think there's a lot more we can do with it. I'm to a bit of a winner here, Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think there's I'm a lot of I didn't come up with the idea myself. <laughs> <laughs> there's different ways. I was talking to Jacqueline Wong, who does the, the swim project earlier, and I thought for her, because she teaches adults that are quite vulnerable, and she really wants to share their stories. I thought, well, podcast. Yeah to be able to share their stories they're not in front of the camera so they're not not as scared you can get on and just start chatting it's those different avenues and seeing swimming in a different perspective I think it's really really good yeah absolutely so don't if you've got an idea make it into a podcast Oh, that's what my husband always says, and he zones out once I start talking swimming. So it's I always, I have a, I have a saying at on pool deck that I say, oh, I better go and help my husband at the counter, and and because he tells me often, I say I'm talking too much, yeah. and I said, but I'm just networking. And this is networking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me today. I've learned a lot, and. There's a yeah, a lot of wealth in what you've spoken about. Thank you. This has been fun. Thank you so much for having me on. That's okay. It's been great. Absolutely. I look forward to hearing some of the other interviews that you've done. It's certainly an interesting time that we're in at the moment. And this is just another way that we can stay connected and hopefully more comes from it from there. It's been great. Thank you so much. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time.